Hi, everybody. It's Lori H. Schwartz, your Tech Cat, and I am here with another great Tech Cat interview. And today we're talking to Ari Fox, who is the Oracle of eSports, which is a title that I absolutely love. Um, but Ari is really an event producer who has a focus on eSports and the gaming culture, the video gaming culture. And um, in this time of coming out of the pandemic, there are a lot of exciting things that are opening up, including a lot of these great events that Ari focuses on. So, so tell us about yourself first so we can sort of understand how you came to be this Oracle. And then I wanna dig into these great brands that you have. You have the Casino Esports Conference, you have Gamecon, um, and then you're also just very involved with, with what's happening in casinos and in video gaming. So we'll get into some of those trends as well. But let's start with a little background on you. So, yeah. So I started uh, in the casino side of the business about 20 years ago um, as a marketing consultant for that industry. And um, we... Um, <clears throat> If you fast forward to about 2013, uh, I did various things in the casinos industry and I got to know a lot of people on that side of it. But by 2013, I saw that there was there was a collision, obviously, between video gaming, esports and uh, the casino uh, industry and not just the casino industry, but all industries in, that entertain people. Um, base, basically, <clears throat> even including Hollywood. But to just get to where what I saw was that there was a, a younger demographic that was coming up and the older means of entertainment that we have today, movie cinemas, casinos, um, and, and in general, uh, just places that entertain people um, were old and they were their means of entertainment, their ways of entertainment have even amusement parks, some amusement parks like Disney and Universal. These are places that need to sort of evolve and reinvent themselves for the next generation and modernize. And that means at the end of the day, it means technology and how do you utilize technology for entertainment? So. Okay, right. Uh, and when you say the word casino, um, you know, I think about, um, you know, smell, smelly, low ceiling places. Old, a bunch of old people sitting at slot machines. I mean, everybody, right. everyone, the idea of a casino, if you asked any young person, a millennial or Gen Z, it's like, right. oh, that's where my grandparents go. It's where my parents go. Even, in the, even though in the last, you know, whatever it is, five or 10 years where they've made it family friendly Vegas and there's great restaurants and there's, you know, sort of hipster boutique vibe to and, some, other, and nightclubs and other and things nightclubs and great great acts great um great shows it still overall ha has has that vibe okay so you're here to to bring sort of a new fresh fresh perspective um bring some current new trends into that environment and especially coming out of covid now where physical environments were not where people wanted to be right vegas is opening up um, events are opening up again. Um, you know, not not to date this broadcast, but we just got news that we're allowed to go into environments if we're vaccinated without masks, according to the CDC. So let's talk about like some of your plans for these cornerstone, cornerstone events that you have. So tell so, us what the Casino Esport Conference is. So the Casino Esport Conference uh, was started about five years ago, and its main purpose is to educate new, the older generations of that people of of people, C-list executives that run, um, it's a B2B, 
It's, you know, to educate the older people that are running movie theaters, that are running casinos, that are running places in Hollywood, <clears throat> and to reevaluate and to look at how they need to um, uh, take what they have as an existing product. Casino, for example, is got gambling product. How do they leverage what they offer the their what they offer now, which is gambling, to a younger demographic, to a 21 to, you know, 44 year old demographic, as opposed to the demographic that they have now, which is 55 and up. Right. Um, so they have to sort of reskin um, re it so that you know if they want to really entice the person to come and make it really, you know, immersive or really much more, uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's the secondary part. But the first part is if I come in as a millennial or Gen Z, my culture through video gaming is uh, playing a video game, competing. We have tournaments now. They call modern that too, a modern vibe, modern. right? A modern vibe. They call that esports, right? The modern right. vibe. So if I come in with to a casino with you, for example, and we sit down, and there's just imagine we sit down on the floor and we play a video game. You know, you play me, you bet me 20 bucks, I bet you 20 bucks that you know I'll beat you, but you beat me, and then the casino is going to get its rake of ten dollars, and then you get the rest of the pie. So, this is the kind of concept that casinos need to sort of look at and say. You know, this is a way we can engage a younger audience because we're giving them what they want, which is playing a video game, and they can win money doing it. But mm -hmm. do, do I necessarily have to sit down there with you, or can I sit down at a casino at a in a casino to play a video game, but going through the casino server because it has to be legalized and regulated, I can play someone else at another casino. You know, but it being on a local access network. So it's all closed. It's a closed system and it's regulated, but I can pay and, and play anybody somewhere else uh, and play that video game as well and compete against someone else. Now, the casinos aren't exactly hype on that. They're not big on that because what they really like is they like when you go in and you'll play a game of chance like a slot machine and they get a lot of money faster. Right. Right. In other words, that, 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 uh, that old model, the old model. Yeah. Right. So the old model is if you have a slot machine on the floor, how much uh, money is that machine generating based on the amount of space that it's occupying? So if, if you have a slot machine, those, the turnover rate, the money that they make on a slot machine is huge. They make a lot more money, a lot faster than, than somebody sits down and plays a video game. However, there are com comparable games in a casino that you can equivocate to video game play. Perfect example is poker. So if you went into a poker room, a poker game could last a long time, you know, between people playing poker. The, the take or the rake that the casino gets in every poker game is about 1%. It's low. So the question, whether, the question is, does the casino executive... By, and, and this is what we discussed at the CEC, does the casino executive want to make that up in volume? So if you're going to have uh, consoles and computer games and video games on your floor, can the casino make that up in volume by then generating a longer or a longer play from the customer, getting every time that they bet 
uh, a rake. And it's a percentage, you know, every single time. So there's a mathematical equation that would work for it, but they don't even understand video gaming yet. And, and that's the first step is the first step in my world is I have to teach that there is not just this competitive play that you can, you, that people play when they play video games, but it's a cultural difference Right, right. Because it's much more, uh, I was just reading something about, they took a uh, survey of Gen Zers and about 28% of Gen Zers play video games for relaxation, for con right. connection, for socialization. Um, so there's all these things that, that are involved in, in what I do at the CEC and how it's, and how it, how we teach not again, not just casino executives, but even Hollywood executives and how to, how do they integrate that? Because I got to tell you, every single video, every single movie that they've taken that was from an original uh, video game, like right now out out in the movie theater and on HBO Max is uh, Mortal Kombat. Right. Everyone hated it. Right. <laughs> it's like, and the reason is because there's a disconnect between the people who are making these movies and the actual culture of the people who created the game. Mm. which is a great segue into my next thing that I do, which is a consumer conference called GameCon. Now, wait, before you jump into GameCon, I just want to go back because it's so interesting what you're trying to do. So you're basically taking the infrastructure of the current casino, which is kind of a dying model, and you're combining it with the more modern gameplay that younger demographics are deeply involved in and that culture and their behaviors and that monetization and you're sort of merging the two so that casinos get the benefit of extending their content and having more engagement and bringing in a younger demographic. And the younger demos and the gamers get infrastructure that they don't have right now. Right. So and also a physical place to go to if they so choose to, if they want that, if they need that brick and mortar. Exactly. Is the brick and mortar important, though, to, to that culture? That's a great question. Um, in fact, if you go to a, a casino in New Jersey, they have a very uh, big presence online. So they have something called iGaming, which is internet gaming. There's no video gaming in it yet. No like Super Mario Brother competitions or League of Legends mm -hmm. competitions or anything like that. Um, but they really hold the keys to the castle. Why? Because the younger generations are all online all the time. That's where they live. They don't live in a brick and mortar. The only way to reach a younger audience is through in, through the internet, through social mm -hmm. media, through the internet. So New Jersey is a little bit ahead of the game with their casinos and how they've built them with the iGaming uh, community. So they what they do is they have, I could uh, go on my computer right now because uh, I live in Connecticut and I could play uh, a Mohegan Sun. It goes through Mohegan Sun server. And in that server, they have, I could play slot, I could play a slot machine, I could play poker, I could play blackjack, anything, but they're not offering yet video gaming. They will. And I think because of what I'm working on and trying to develop the casino industry to do, it's something that I think it's vital to their existence and how they're going to continue. But it all does start online. Um, mm. And then it goes to the brick and mortar. So if I was a younger person and I was able to play a video game for money to win money uh, and I could go through a casino server to do so, that's what I would do. And then by doing so, I, I, be, I become a, a player. I get players comps. The longer I play, the more comps I can make. I can get 
tickets to a show. I can go to, I can get a hotel room, room. (laughs) bigger room. I can get, you know, uh, you know, I could treat my friends to a dinner, you know, at Bobby Flay's or something. So it's, it's, it's definitely, there's, there's all these incentives and then, you know, just to go and hang out in Vegas, like at the pool or, you know, get like a cabana or something as part of your comps and you're a big player. Experience that. So, so then your event is bringing in, the casino people and the gamer people to start talking to each other about yes. these models? Okay. Yes. So, so it's been, it's been, I got to say, it's like, um, how do I put it? Um, it's like, you, you, it's two people that um, they sort of are attracted to each other, but they, but they're trying to re- resist temptation. Be- um, peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> well, <laughs> Not exactly. In fact, what I'm, what I'm trying to point out is that the people on the publisher side that make video games, they have a public relation problem. Ah, okay. Um, so if, if Blizzard Activision or Riot or Valve or any of these publishing companies that make different video games went to the casinos and said, yeah, we, we want to make a gambling version for our game. Um, that might not, they are worried. Their PR people get a hold of it. Their lawyers get a hold of it. And they go, Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. This doesn't look good to the younger people that can't gamble. And I don't want to, I don't want to push that we are involved with gambling. Um, but it, the fact of the matter is whether they don't want to push it or not, there's been a lot of debate on things that they currently do in the video gaming world alone beyond the casinos called loot loot boxes and loot boxes were something that was a big discussion um, at the uh, consumer protection agency in Washington, DC. When I attended a seminar there, they had a whole talk about whether loot boxes were gambling or not. I've never heard that expression before. Well, for the audience that doesn't know what a loot box is, a loot box is, is if I'm playing a video game like Fortnite or, or, or something or PUBG uh, um, and I win uh, or I have a choice of picking three different loot boxes, but I don't know what's in that loot box. And what normally is in a loot box is like a, a gamer skin or a weapon or some kind, something that will help me win the a, game. A, a digital asset. A digital asset. So, okay. so for example, when I'm a, as, as a gamer, you really want to win the game. Any advantage is almost addictive in a way. Right, right, so right, right. If, you can, if you can understand, so when a gambler gambles, there is an addiction to that gambling. When a gamer games, the addiction to winning is the, is the ultimate prize. Right. So, right, so right. As a, if, if you get loot boxes, and in those loot boxes have varying things in them, skins, weapons, etc. And you get three of them, but you don't know what's inside them. Picking one or two of them or one of them, it's like that's like chance. That's right. like pulling a slot lever because you don't know what you're going to get. So some people um, that some people like uh, there was a, a study done in Oxford University and one of the professors at this uh, this seminar that I was at in D.C. was claiming that it was it was uh, gambling. Mm. Because some, some, you know, and so if that's the case and it is gambling, then they're already doing gambling. Right. But, but someone, the, the, one of the lawyers from the Electronic Software Association, which is an agency based in Los Angeles that represents all of video gaming. Um, ES, ESA? ESA. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and he said, you know, he was there on the other side, the counter counter the, the counter argument where it's not gambling. So it was a big thing. But soon after that, um, Valve and some of the other publishers would then, uh, when they offered the loot boxes as a prize for the next level up, they would let the gamer know what was w- inside the loot box. Mm. So now it's a choice, not anymore gambling. So they took that variable away because there was pressure on them. But right. that's what that. But understanding that, that's the idea behind of why they, the publishing side, why the video gaming side, it has trepidation in reaching over the table to make deals with the gambling industry. Because it's a very, right, right. Yeah. And I can also see you're, you're going to have some interesting play with what's happening with uh, the blockchain and NFTs and all these other things where you start to get into digital assets. All right, let's jump over to your consumer, your consumer event. Um, because God, this is so fascinating. This is a whole world that I think a lot of people don't realize is happening. So talk to us about Gamecon. So Gamecon was started in 2013. It was actually uh, precedes the CEC. Um, and what it is, is um, since I had a connection with all of the people in the casino industry, it's a conference that is sort of that step. It's like uh, at the CEC, we do a lot of talking at the, at Gamecon. It's like, we do a lot of walking. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you can't just do, you can't just talk the talk. You gotta walk the walk. So okay. This is Gamecon is walking the walk. It is the actual uh, uh, creation of um, conventions like mm-hmm. Gamecon, like uh, Comic Con conventions, but for games. And we do them in casinos, not because we're trying to get twelve-year-olds to play slot machines or to gamble or anything like that. But what we're trying to do is introduce the gaming world into a casino and say, this is a place for you. There's something here for you, and we're starting this convention to let you know that this is a place where you can have fun here too. And mm-hmm. there's something that, you know, that you can do. Um, so we do them. Uh, we were doing them um, twice, uh, twice a year. Um, one was done on the East coast. One was done on the West coast and casinos as a whole have a great infrastructure. If you want to run a convention, they have hotel rooms, they have food and beverage, they have, places to go for drinks after if you're old enough to get drinks there's mm-hmm. and then you have the gamecon event and at gamecon we gamecon stands for game arts conference so the, it was originally created as a sundance film festival type of an event for independent game developers mm-hmm. so it, these are games that we fill our floor with where you could come and you could play you could talk to the developer of the game you can um, give them suggestions they get feedback from you a lot of them are in virtual reality. There's some augmented reality. It's a lot of fun for everybody. So imagine a floor with is all. It, is it different though than than um, uh, the um, E3? I mean, is it more focused on independence? E3 is much more of a commercial type of conference. So you have all the big big publishers. Like you okay. have, you know, like you have your um, uh, you have. Uh, uh, Epic Games, or you'll have Valve, or you have Riot, or you have, and then you have the big brands like Sony. So it's much more of a commercialized conference. Our conference is kind of like that, you know, um, kind of you find the the, the, the needle and you find the diamond in the rough. You know, mm-hmm. you want to find that really cool game, and then you say, "Oh, I started playing that game before before it became really popular." Right. For example, 
one of the publishers that came to us many, many years ago was Psionics Games. And if anyone out there who is a gamer is listening, Psionics Games actually created Rocket League. Rocket League is a big game now that's played uh, coll collegiately in competition. Um, but it was not a very well-known game when it started. And we had it at Gamacom before it was a big thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, remember, if you go back to the days of the music industry, when um, people would go to CBGBs. And they would they would watch Debbie Harry from Blondie, and they I knew her before she was famous, and I saw her in this tiny little club, and I even spoke to her and I met her. So that's kind of like the thing, and that's how I know about much more about video gaming culture, because people people connect to the creator, um, and that's Gamecon gives that ability for you to connect to that person that came up with that idea that came up with that game. Before it becomes a big, big, crazy commercial. Right, before story. it becomes crazy. No, but it's not to say that we also have commercial uh, tournaments and and in eSport events during GameCon 2. So we will feature the main titles, you know, like uh, the Super Smash Brothers and Fortnite and PUBG and Call of Duty and Madden and all the other labels that everybody is aware of that you can compete in in a tournament. So we not only have eSport tournaments, but we also have these games that people can play. And then there's merchants and you could buy little those little fun pop things, whatever they're called. And, um, <laughs> you know, T-shirt salespeople. It's just it's a lot of fun. Merchandise, merchandise, merchandise. <laughs> And then sometimes, depending on our location, we'll find a laser tag guy who sets that up in a big ballroom and you can do a laser tag with your friends. It's just a lot of fun for an interactive experience. A lot of people, there have been a lot of people who have come to GameCon that have actually met and gotten engaged and gotten married. So, I mean, there's that aspect as well. There's a big social aspect. So it's, so it's, um, it really is a, a cultural center point. It is a cultural uh, center for it. It, it, it's a, it, it is a community of people that love to see each other each year. They come back each year. Uh, if they're married, they bring their kids. Um, uh, how, how, big, how big is it? How big does it get? Like what Right now, we have a database of about 10,000. Okay. Um, and the last event that we had um, was about 7,500 people oh, came over a weekend. Right, and I and I bet it might take a little while for it to grow again from everything going on. But at the same time, everything I'm hearing is that people are dying to be around each other again. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, with the COVID problem and everything, most businesses are looking at it like we're starting from ground zero again. Yeah, right, right. I mean, we. So, so what do you think? Are you going to be starting from ground zero? You know this culture. Um, you, I, you are the oracle of esports. So, what, what's your, what's your feeling on some of the trends in this space? Obviously, esports didn't slow down, and it's only one sliver of what's happening in gaming because there's mobile gaming and desktop gaming, and of course, the little set top box gaming. So. Esports is one sliver, but and video games in general. So you're you're really looking at a lot of online activations that still happen, even though the big stadium events didn't happen. What what are you seeing the next year's going to look like? Well, there's so much talk. There's been so much talk since the pandemic started about video gaming and how it's how it's gotten huge during the during the pandemic. Yeah, it did get huge during the pandemic, but no one's looking at the dark side of it. And there is a dark side, the yeah. dark side uh, of the dirty gossip and the dark side that no one really talks about. And you don't hear it in the news is that 
millions and millions of dollars were invested in teams and stadiums um, and all of this and all of these generalized esport. We'll talk about esports and spe specifically um, that they lost huge amounts of money, huge amounts of revenue. The the investors were, uh, in my opinion, ripped off. Um, when 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 Robert Kraft from the New England Patriots buys a Overwatch team from Blizzard for twenty million dollars, and Overwatch's fan base has shrank considerably over the last few years, I believe there's a problem. Mm. Or when when Blizzard Activision, who owns Overwatch, fired all of their live event people that run events that run esport tournaments, that's a problem. There's no infrastructure. Do you, do you think that that is, was that in the last year or that was prior? That, that was in the last so year. And just get through COVID and then they'll all be rehired again or what do you? I, you know what? I, I don't know because a lot of these companies, a lot of these publishers are looking at it like, you know what? Um, did we really need it? We, it was an expense where we right. weren't, we weren't, we were in the red every year with this kind of thing. Right. And, and are we going to continue to do this? Is there a good profit margin in it? The question is whether or not, listen, Blizzard has $20 million of Mr. Kraft's money. Are they right. going to give that back? Doubtful. Right. You know, um, and, you know, I, I, I mean, does Robert Kraft care about it? I'm sure he does. But on the other hand, he's making millions of dollars, you know, with the New England Patriots. Maybe not as much now because Tom Brady is no longer there. But, you know, yeah. I mean, it's still a team that he bought for very little and now it's worth a lot of money. So it doesn't, I don't know if it'll affect him that much. If you ever asked Mark Cuban about esports, yeah, he would grimace and yell at you and say, I don't want to talk about it. Because he did invest in something and he did lose money. Not as much as Mr. Kraft, but he did. Right. And and right. honestly, I, I there are guys that have been burned in that industry, in the esports right. world. Right, right, right. So did COVID help it? No, it made it worse. So there was, mm -hmm. a, there, you know, Stadiums were empty. A lot of money was put into them. There's a big uh, esports stadium in Arlington, uh, Texas. Of course, it's cheap to build anything in Texas, but you know, <laughs> even so, even so, the stadium is still there. And you know, is it being utilized? Are there people? No, obviously, because nobody could for the year right. and a half. But so, you're saying we'll see. We'll see what happens. Where where can people find out more about? Um, uh, the Casino Esports Conference and also GameCon. So uh, you can find out more about the Casino Esports Conference, and we're going to be announcing a date. Actually, um, the the ink on the on the paper isn't even dry yet, but we're we're, we're probably going to have it. Uh, uh, it's going to be October sixth, um, seventh, and eighth okay. uh, in Las Vegas at a at a hotel called Alexa Park which we'll be posting on our website soon. But if you want to find more information, it's called, you would put in casino, eSport, no S at the end of eSport, uh, conf.com. So okay. casino, eSport, conf.com. And GameCon is just, it's, a, it's spelled like it sounds, G-A-M-E-A-C-O-N.com. And we're... Um, we had some issue with the with the casino there. We were originally supposed to be having the event at the beginning of August, but now we're putting it a weekend after. So just stay tuned for that as well. And that will be at, in Palm Springs uh, at the uh, um, 
just, I think, August 14th through the 16th. Well, uh, I'll be there if it's Palm Springs. But, <laughs> but, um, uh, and, and you, Ari, just because you're such an expert in this interesting sort of meshing of these two worlds um, or multiple worlds, but that casino culture and this esports culture, are you writing about this? Are you publishing yourself um, insights about this? Where can people? I, uh, yeah, if you, if, you, if you could, you just connect me on LinkedIn. I have a whole bunch of articles I've written over the last few years about it. And my research, and my you know, and there's there's videos that post that I'm, I'm on. Also, there's uh, if you go onto the uh, Casino Esport Conference uh, YouTube page, you can find uh, I do a lot of I've done a lot of interviews. I think over 40 interviews of people in the esports world and in the casino esports world in particular, and how that's affected. I even had a talk with a gentleman named Louis Alfieri, who is uh, big in the amusements industry and how we see the casino industry emerging, creating this immersive experience that's very, very um, tech-connected. Tech so if you imagine a casino that is, you know, you, you go to Vegas and you'll go to the Venetian or you'll go, so they have all these themes. But imagine a casino that can change its theme every week because you're going to a, a VR experience of some kind. Or, or augmented reality, more or less. Okay. okay but every, everything changes in front of you, which is kind of cool. That's so cool. So um, I, I love talking to you because it's such an interesting new world. And I don't think many people, even in the tech space um, that I talk to all the time, realize uh, the, the merging of these worlds. You know, everyone's so focused on, on the buzzword of esports that they don't think about the opportunities of the brick and mortar and of that casino culture, which while dated is still very uh, vibrant and has significant business opportunities. Right. Um, so, so it's great to, to find you, Ari, and to hear about all these great opportunities in this space. So we've been talking to Ari Fox, the Oracle of Esports, a producer of Casino Esports Conference and Gamecon, and just an expert in the merging of all of these different models, which is going to become more and more significant as we come out of this pandemic and we try and understand what are people going to do? How are these models going to flow? And, and what are some of the new trends um, happening here? Thank you so much, Ari. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for having me. It was really enjoyable. I hope to see you at some of our events when we're out there. In the I West will Coast. be there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Have a good day. Bye.